Um, so take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door. Let's kind of change directions a little bit. Um, we are doing something, obviously, like we did last week, that's different than normal. Normal, we go through different books of Scripture, and it's always hardcore and challenging. Today, we're going to have a lighter day, all right? Now, uh, I'm not going to say it's not going to be challenging. What I'm going to say is that we're going to have a little bit more levity and lightness to this. I got a topical message for you, part two of community, and I want to get intensely practical with you. So practical that some of you are going to look and go, what is Lance now, a motivational speaker? What is he doing here? Uh, Listen, anything I don't share from God's word, you can dump it, all right? Anything that I share, I mean, you just check it for wisdom, and if it's not something that's useful to you, by all means, throw it away. But what we're going to have is family time today. Uh, This is kind of where, uh, hopefully, Dad downloaded to me some help to be able to do some practical things to get us to hang out together. Uh, What we're going to find out is that, like last week, we know we need each other, right? We talked about all the biblical reasons and all the, the practical reasons why we have to know one another and be known here at church. We desperately need one another. We know that isolation is what Satan wants, and anything Satan wants, I don't want. And we know that he always tries to isolate out, right? And get you alone so we can take you out of the mix. We don't want any of that garbage. We want to be together. And we know that when his body comes together and he moves through there, it is an unstoppable force. So as we talk about this idea and talk about what God really wants, we're going to begin this morning by soaking in Scripture, soaking in God's high standards for the church. So I'm going to have a couple passages we're going to read. If you need a Bible, there's one under the seat in front of you. I'll give you the page number on where to turn to. That gets us there a little bit faster. Uh, But I just want you to look and listen and hear this whole idea that God says, you know what, this whole church thing, we can have so much more going on here if we really loved one another, if we really knew one another, if we really cared about one another. And what could begin to move in this place. So let's continue to cast that vision. Ephesians 4.1. Turn with me there. Ephesians 4.1. That's in the New Testament. It's page 977. So it's almost all the way to the right in your Bible if you're trying to drop in there. Page 977. Ephesians 4.1. I understand that culture is pulling at us and it's distracting. I understand that we have a million things going on in our lives. And I understand that we don't feel like our time is our own. However, I need us to get perspective on this. You are in control of what you do and don't do. And I need us to realign our priorities with what God thinks is important. And what God thinks is important is an intimate walk with Him first, and then healthy marriages and families and then carrying out his will out into the world. There's a lot of stuff that we're doing. I'm not so sure if all the stuff we're doing is important. So let's see if we can realign according to his agenda and priorities. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you as a church to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, why in the world would Paul write that, that you need to be patient and bear one another in love if we aren't all going to irritate one another? If we are not agitating 
and somewhat bothersome, why would he challenge us to be patient and bear with one another? You're going to find that the more we talk, the more he's very clear that community is messy and complicated. Let's continue on in verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So we got no place for divisiveness. We got no place for people causing rifts and schisms and concerns. Listen, you don't, you don't ever try to shut down the work of God. That's a bad idea. Um, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So a lot of times God will just remove out that which is divisive. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father in all, of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Hopefully what you heard was there's one, 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 one. And that means that you're not allowed to be your own little group. You actually have to be part of the one. All right. So Colossians 3.12, go to the right in your Bible. Colossians 3.12, page 984. Paul speaking to the church in Colossae. He said, and imagine if we're reading this like it was a letter written to us, right? To the church of Bridgeway, Paul says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Feel for one another. Actually have emotion towards one another. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. There it is again. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, and you will, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Notice that is not a suggestion. It is a command, right? So you have to forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Back up to the left in your Bibles, Galatians 6, 1, page 975. Galatians 6, 1, this is called Scripture Whiplash. Right, it's the, I hope I can get there faster than my neighbor competition. Galatians 6, 1, page 975. Brothers, if anyone is caught in an act of any transgression, that is basically if anyone falls away and they're involved in sin, you who are spiritual, you who are currently tracking with the Lord, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. This is not the, I got to go blast you, I want to hurry up and make everyone know that you're screwing up. It's, it's none of that, there's no room for that. But it's this gentleness of restoration, but you got to keep a watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Do you even know anybody in this church well enough to know whether or not they're out of line with the Lord. Now you have a lot of judgments from a distance, but do you really know? And then do you have a relationship that can sustain correction to another person? You don't get to just walk up and go slam somebody else. You don't get a chance to go correct someone if they don't know you. That's not fair. They will not receive that in the spirit that it was given. They will not consider it a positive thing. 
And remember, I told you that I'm not as big of a fan of accountability groups as I am intercessory groups, which is the idea of, yes, I'm going to call you on your garbage as your friend, but my goal is to pray you out of it, to support you out of it, and be able to encourage you out of it and say, hold on, we are not living like this. This is not your identity, and I will do everything in my power to get you moving forward, right? That's the idea. We continue on. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Look at verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone especially to those who are of the household of faith. Lance, I get it, right? So you're going to be talking about this. I get it. We're supposed to be loving each other and nice and plastic faces. And No. Incorrect. Why? 1 Peter 1.22, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. There actually is no room for the plasticky, yeah, I'm going to pray for you when you're not. There is no room for the, I'm just going to fake everything and wear a mask. There is no room for the, I tolerate you, but I don't actually like you at all. That is not acceptable according to the standards of Christ in the church. It says that we are to love one another deeply from the heart in sincerity. That means you own it, you mean it, you believe it. That's the kind of love that has to happen here. Now, how in the world are we ever going to do that until we know each other and become friends? I mean, it's, it's hard to be able to love a stranger. It's a little easier to love somebody that you care about and you invest in and that you are worried about them. So how do we make this more like family? How do we make it more like the people that we love? How do we get more concerned about one another's spiritual growth and safety? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So let's, let's figure out how the early church handled it. We, we referred to it last week, but let's just look at it one more time. Turn with me to Acts chapter 242, page 910, all right, 910, back up to the left again in your Bibles. This is our last passage to turn to. Acts 242, I figure if we soak in this, and then I talk about practical stuff, you have enough alarm set to where you can sift everything I'm about to say. Right? So if I give you a bunch of practical tools and it doesn't line up with Scripture, you ditch that one. Yeah? That's kind of how it works. So we need to have God's thoughts in our minds. Acts 2.42, you remember this story. Pentecost hits. The Holy Spirit breaks out on the church. Crazy stuff happens. They have this massive service, and they go from a church of 120 people to 3,120 people overnight. How do you deal with that growth? How do you compensate and have instant family? Well, you actually don't. You have to work on it. And so how did they work on it? It's actually written right here. It's not rocket science. Let's take a look at it. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What was the early church game plan to create community? 
they devoted themselves to being together. That's it. I mean, it's not, it's not too heavy. It's not, why do you need to devote yourself or commit yourself to being together? Because there's a million reasons why you wouldn't. That's why. It's not natural to be together. It's natural to be selfish, and it's natural to be all about your world, even your family. But God has something bigger in mind, and he keeps trying to get us into this bigger mindset of going, hold on, I have a lot of kids, and you don't get a chance to close the door. As I'm bringing in more kids, and the Jews had to accept the Gentiles, and that was crazy, and how did that work out? And as God is embracing in all these kids, we are continually having to learn what community means. So, how did they do it? They committed to being together. Then, when they were together, they actually got to know each other, and they made church like home. One of the reasons why I love being in this place is this is my second home. I walk through these hallways all the time. I recognize so many of you. I have a whole church full of acquaintances and friends. I have the ability to, in my mind, map out how this campus looks. I could draw it on a piece of paper. I can tell you what it all looks like from the outside. I can tell you habit patterns of where people move and where people sit. I can do all that stuff. Why? Because I'm here all the time. Are you here? Are you engaging? Do you feel like this place is home? Here's the dream that I have, is that you would walk into this place and it would feel so familiar that you'd have to stop yourself from kicking your feet up on the chairs, right? And, you know, and just have this whole idea where this is home, this is relaxing, this is my place, where, where you visit everyone that walks in the door like a host or a hostess to go, man, if somebody walked into my house, I would greet them, I would encourage them, I want them to be peaceful in my place. That's, how, that's my dream for this place, that everyone would act like that. You'd go, I don't know that person, that's weird. Are there a lot of people in your home that you don't know? Because that's weird. You know what I mean? Normally you would go, hey, I want to know you. My kids are here, right? You want to kind of check up and make sure everybody's all right. So you check up and make sure they're okay. So what are we going to do? There was an unhealthy scenario mentioned just after the passage we read that I'm just going to briefly touch on. The story is Ananias and Sapphira. Y'all remember them? Okay, this is kind of a trip, all right? Now if God does this here... That's a whole new ball game, all right? So here's how the story goes. Uh, a good guy by the name of Barnabas, he became famous for hanging out with Paul, a good guy named Barnabas sold a house and gave all the proceeds to the apostles and said, hey, you guys, we have some extra money. We would like you to distribute this to those that have need because a lot of the early church were slaves and extraordinarily poor. So Barnabas happened to have a little extra money, and he gave it all to the apostles. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, husband-wife team, saw that, and they were like, man, everybody thinks Barnabas is the coolest guy in the world because he gave up everything, and he gave all his money. And that guy, he's a rock star in the church now. So you know what? We need to do that. But there's no way I'm giving all my money. That's never going to happen. So they sold their property, kept back a portion, went into the church to, unfortunately, Peter, and they said, hey, Peter, here's all the proceeds of everything we did. You know what? Kind of, we're just like Barnabas. Check it out. Peter's like, that's funny because the Holy Spirit just downloaded. You kept about 35 grand off that. What exactly are you trying to tell me? Are you telling me this is all of it? Oh, yeah, that's all of it. 
how has Satan so filled your heart that you would lie to the Holy Spirit? You know what, buddy? We're trying to build unity here, and obviously you're into it for the wrong reasons. Bye-bye, you're gone. All of a sudden, he dies right there. That's pretty hardcore. His wife comes in three hours later. Hey, you know what? We sold this property and everything. Really? Is this all the money? Yes, it is. Bye-bye. She dies. And everyone was filled with awe, right? It's, now, why is God killing people off in the church? Why is the Holy Spirit just going, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, right? Because it was new, and he was trying to get everyone to realize we are coming together on this. This is not a place for you to manipulate, to use for your own benefit, to try to become popular and famous. This is not a place for you to lord it over others and create something with a mask on. You are not allowed to use my body like that. So you know what? I'm going to make an example out of you. I'll shut you down. We need to be in church for the right reasons. And the right reasons are we are here to love on other people and grow and grow closer to the Lord. This is not a place where we go in and we use other people. This is not a place where we just try to manipulate our way to the top, whatever that is, right? What I'm about to do is give you training on how to make friends. And you're like, what? How old are we, Lance? Seriously? Apparently not old enough to know how to make friends, okay? So I don't care how old you are, we're not really good at it because we're not doing it very well. Ultimately, we don't want just friends. We want deep fellowship. We want koinonia. We want, I'm interested in your spiritual walk. I'm trying to edify you. I'm your intercessory backup guy. I'm the one that's a warrior for you. I'm the one that helps keep you accountable. I mean, this is really the, the, the level we're trying to get to. But we can't even get anywhere near there until we learn some basic concepts on how to make friends. So that's why we're doing this this morning. So I'm going to give you 12 things, 12 practical tips on how to make friends. I never do this, right? The whole thing's weird to me. But it's super important. We're having family time, right? And you're going to go, man, you're talking too fast. I can't take notes. All my notes are going to get posted on the city, all right? So if you want to know all this stuff and you want to soak in it, all that and the descriptions to it are all written online. But let me give you an idea on how friends work. There is a difference between acquaintances and friends. Understand you need both. One is not bad. You need both. Here's why. Acquaintances are people that you recognize, people you can have a conversation with, but you don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, You need those in church. They're precious because they make the church feel friendly and comfortable. What you want to do is know as many people in this church as you can, so when you walk in the door, your eyes scan and it feels safe. That allows you to not have all your barriers up and you can actually focus on the Lord. So we need acquaintances, and there's ways to make acquaintances very rapidly. However, we also need friends, and friends are different. Friends require more work and maintenance. They are the deeper bonding. I got to share stuff with you. You can share stuff with me. We know a lot of things about each other, probably enough to sink each other, that kind of thing. That's what friends are. So we're going to learn how to make some of those. And let me explain why this is critically important. Last week, we talked about the importance of David and Jonathan, right, where you got a guy who's backing you up. And you have someone, do you realize how powerful their friendship was? Jonathan was such an extraordinary friend. 
that it says he took off his robe and his royal stuff and gave it to his buddy David. Do you remember that Jonathan was next in line for the throne, but God anointed his buddy and he was all right with that? And then he was the one to defend David. He was the one to back him up. He was the one to intercede. What type of friendship was that? That's extraordinary, right? I mean, we talked about the Abram saving Lot, his nephew, multiple times, interceding to God for him, that kind of stuff. We know the importance, but let me talk about the practical importance. Okay, those of you that are married, listen up. If you are single, by the way, you have not yet fallen into the trap I am about to share with you. All right? Right now, you praise God, okay? If you are married, here is a trap that is being set based on the culture that we live in, and here's what it is. Your marriage cannot sustain the pressures you are putting it under because they're your only friend. It is very tempting in today's day and age when we move around a lot to go, you know what, I have my best friend baked into my marriage. I don't need to make any other friends. That is unfortunately not true. What you are doing is you're putting pressure on it. It was never designed to sustain. And that's why there's a lot of breakdown. We need a whole support system to be healthy. You cannot rely only on your spouse. Let me give you a couple examples why. First of all, you need a venting friend. <laughs> venting friends are, I'm really mad today, and I need to vent out all my frustration. That cannot always be your spouse, right? And you need to vent about your spouse, right? And that can't be your spouse. We need to make sure that you don't do that. That's, that's, that's unfair also. What else do we need to know? We need to know perspective. We need to have a perspective where you need to be able to ask friends, hey, is what's going on in my relationship, is this healthy? You can't ask your spouse, they're too deep. You actually have to have perspective from somewhere else. Somebody else has to look in and go, whoa, what are you guys doing? That's not healthy at all. I don't know what you're talking about, right? You need perspective. Here's another thing. Your spouse cannot be your counselor. You, oh, I need you to help me through life, and you have to be. That is not appropriate, and here's why. Professional counselors have rules on how close they can get to their clients before it ruins everything. They actually have legal guidelines to keep them away from. So you can't have your counselor next to you every day. It ruins the dynamics. Please do not use your spouse as your only counselor it's not fair. Last thought on that one, shared activities. Your spouse doesn't want to do what you want to do. They sent me a note and told me that. To them, golf is stupid. I know you love it. I know you want to work on hot rods. I know you like sewing, but you know what? Your partner does not. And so the whole idea that every day you're angry at them because they don't want to do crossword puzzles is not fair. So what we need to realize is that we need a whole circle of friends, maybe that like those activities, so you can go enjoy those activities and come back and kind of talk about them. But not where you're always pressuring and getting into this environment where, well, I don't like doing that. Well, I don't like doing that. Well, I don't like doing that. And then you just, just sit there and just watch Duck Dynasty 24 hours a day <laughs> because there's nothing else that you like together. Come on now. 12 practical tips on how to make friends. You ready to do this? Here we go. 
Number one, accidental collisions. Every friend you've ever met in your life was probably because of an accidental collision. Your best friend from childhood was because they lived in the neighborhood. That's an accidental collision. You probably had friends in school because you happen to have classes together. That's an accidental collision. The way we make friends is we are forced together by an outside force. So we push together and then we start conversations. So you need to be where people are with connective elements, right? So we tend to know more people at church because we're forced together in some capacity. Number two, how to start conversations. Our society has already got you started. If you walk up to a stranger, say this phrase, how you doing today? Fine. How you doing? It's automatic built-in. People will already respond like that to you. The problem is, what do we do next? Right? What's the next conversation? I suggest you learn from the experts. Hairstylists. <laughs> Hairstylists have to talk to boring people every day, all day long. No, they are not interested in you. They act like they are, right? And here's how it starts out. You go on with, so what are you doing this weekend, right? And they're just trying to get you to talk so they can focus on not cutting your ear, right? That's the idea. So they're trying to get conversation starters going. So what do you got going this weekend? What have you been doing? All right, so what's going on? Did you hear about what happened in the news? They've asked that to every client that has come onto their chair but they know how to start conversations. That's, you talk about shared experiences. If you're in church, it's already baked in. You literally go, so what'd you think about the sermon? They're like, I don't know, he's talking too fast. You know what, I felt the same way. At least you started something. It's already built in for you. Number three, go where you are invited. There are a bunch of us that we think that it's about where we're going. It is not. And we immediately reject the idea. Some friends invite us to go go-kart racing and we're 85. <laughs> and we're like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I am not getting in a go-kart, by the way. Okay, here's the deal. It is never about the destination. It's about the friendship and the fact that someone invited you somewhere. It's about the conversations that happen along the way. So when you immediately reject it and go, well, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. Hold on. You want to connect. So if it's safe and it's godly and they invited you and stuck their neck out, go. The whole point is what you're going to develop while you're doing it. Number four, broaden your circle. We do a lot of this. I want to go meet someone that's exactly like me. First of all, the universe would fall apart if there were other people exactly like you, right? Our church would implode because we don't want two of you. We're having a hard enough time with one of you. We don't need two of you, okay? So this whole I want someone exactly like me gig is never going to fly. What you want is people that have commonalities with you and then they're also different. So you have to broaden your circle on people that you know. Actually try to have friends that don't agree with you on everything. Let me give you a bit of dating advice, right? Now I gave this dating advice. It actually works with friends. And so it's not really dating advice in this scenario, but I think you'll know what I mean. I was sitting at a wedding one time and there was a super vibrant, pretty young girl and she was sitting next to me and we got into this conversation. I always try to drop bombs in conversations just to agitate people. It's kind of a gift of mine. And so I looked over and I said like the, the, the worst thing that you're ever supposed to say. And I knew that she was confident enough to handle it. So I looked at her and I go, so you married? What's up with that? And she goes, 
no, I'm not. And you know what? That totally bugs me. And I go, well, why are you not married? What's going on? And she goes, you know what? It's because every guy I meet, I don't know what's wrong with guys these days. Every guy I meet, I know within a second, he is not the guy for me. And I can't even get started. And I go, wow, that is difficult. If all men are not the one for you, you're absolutely right. That is terrible. And then I gave her this piece of advice. You may lock this into your spirit. You may not. Here you go. You ready? I said, but what if he's the dude that knows the dude? Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. Okay, here's the funny thing. Most of us bond with a friend of a friend. Okay, so when you automatically shut everyone down and go, I don't want to be friends with them, they're not like me, they may have friends that you actually connect with very well. So instead of shutting everyone down immediately, how about getting to know them and getting to know their friends and realizing that along the way you can develop good relationships. So the whole idea of shutting everything down and no, 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 that's not perfect right away. Stop. Cut people some slack. Give them a little bit of grace. Number five compliment people. This is a easy tool that is very Christ-like. Be encouraging, be edifying, love on other people, don't lie, and don't be creepy. Okay? Use, compliment their stuff, compliment their abilities, whatever it is, uh, you can walk up and go, you know what, that's a really cute bag. Where'd you get that, right? Now, if you're a dude talking to a dude, that's risky. But if you're a lady, it might work, all right? So you're just being sweet, and here's why. Everyone is loaded with insecurity, and they're all afraid that someone doesn't like them. So when you compliment them, you become a safe person, and then they go, oh, wait, you're on my team. Oh, I can trust you. And then there becomes a lot less paranoia, all right? compliment bring something to the table be sweet and kind number six this is critical ask questions of other people here's why people that only talk about themselves are annoying okay i do not want for you to come up and when we're meeting for the first time all you do is download your stuff and then it just goes quiet right that's not how you carry on a conversation you're supposed to volley hey there you go right? And the other person hits it back. That's kind of how it goes. So you start out and you go, man, I can't believe what happened the other day on that TV show. What do you think? That's it. It's not hard, but don't just download everything and it's all about you, right? Nobody likes that. Number seven, smile. Why? Because people are afraid of grumpy pants. Here's the deal. Gravity means that our corners of our mouth ever increasingly turn down. Do something to fix that because you freak me out. Okay? So fix your face and then we're not scared of you. Right? It's just a simple little idea. Number eight, don't overload up front. Don't overload up front. For many of us, we wait so long to make friendships that then we are desperate and so intensely needy, we dump everything going on in our lives on the other person. That is not fair. They cannot sustain that. And what I'm about to say is not a joke. It is dead serious. If you are at a place where you're so extraordinarily needy, please begin with professionals, then go to friends. 
The point means you have to go to a counselor who's actually trained to deal with sifting heavy material. Normal friends that you're just making can't do it. If you dump on somebody right up front, the best you'll get from a Christian is politeness, but you will never get friendship. They can't handle it. And it's not that they're being mean. It's not that they don't care. It's that they lack the skills to process. That's what people are trained to do. So please don't think that they're turning you away. They just can't handle what you're dumping on them. So it's a give and take. You have to give up front. And then along the way, you develop a friendship where you can rely on each other. Number nine, follow up but give room follow up but give room if somebody if you make a connection at church you go hey how you doing and everything and then you never see them again and it falls into the black abyss you're not going to make friendships but if you then periodically afterwards go hey how you been doing i haven't seen you in a while that's called follow-up now don't be the stalker right <laughs> which you just meet somebody and there's five texts when you get to the car you know and you're like uh no right that's a warning sign all right, number 10, observe and role model friendly people. If you see someone that really has a lot of friends or they're kind of fun to be around, role model what they do. Watch what they do and kind of chase after that. Number 11, don't immediately judge the other person. We've talked about that. Don't just shut down, well, I hate their political views. You know what? I hate your political views. So we can still be friends. That's all right. Okay, we don't automatically shut everything down or judge that you know all about them. You don't know all about them from one meeting. All of our friends have views that we don't agree with. That's what creates interesting conversation, right? Number 12, be the best you. And here's why. Now that sounds corny, but be the best you. It is never acceptable to wear a mask because you can't feel love through a mask. You will always feel like they only love you for what you're pretending to be, and then you can never take it off because they'll reject you. Never wear a mask. However, this whole business about just be yourself. No. No, do not do that. <laughs> if yourself is, I think hygiene's overrated. Okay. <laughs> you know what? No. No, don't be that guy. No. No, wear deodorant. And then we engage. So here's the thing. Be the best version of you where you are appropriate at all times with the people around you. So we close out with this. Here at this church, you are surrounded by extraordinary people. You need to be involved in their lives, and there's four ways simply to get involved here. The easiest, most non-invasive, most helpful way to get involved is to serve in a ministry around here. Oh, you're just trying to get volunteers. No, actually, here's how it works. Let's say you sign up for Kids Way and start working with the kids. You will be partnered up with leadership. Leadership you automatically get to know. You have a connection to what's going on in the church. Then you are partnered with other people to work with you in the classroom. Those become your community. Then you meet parents who come to drop off their kids and pick up their kids. And what better way to start a relationship than uh, for the last hour and a half, I've been making sure your children are safe. Do you understand? This is all a way that on multiple levels, you have all this freedom to get along and get to meet people. Not only that, but if you're uncomfortable meeting people, you're only doing stuff together, right? We always need this excuse to hang out together. 
Well, you know what? You're working in a classroom together. It's not awkward. You're doing a job, but you happen to be talking along the way. Another way to make friends is small groups. Why? Because there is a leader who's trying to facilitate relationships. It's nice when someone else is helping you along. Number three, the best way to make acquaintances is to go to events. We have tonight our first new version of our worship nights where you just soak in worship and Jake and the team are just going to lead us in praising God and worshiping God for over an hour. Why wouldn't we want to go to an event where it shrinks this whole group down to a lot smaller? The more events you go to, you keep seeing that same person and eventually you start up a conversation. That's how you make acquaintances. And then finally, online we have the city and people are connecting on the city by when they see a post, they go, wait a second, that person's super passionate about prayer. So am I. Hey, I really appreciated your post. Thank you very much. Oh, well, you know what? You are encouraging as well. What service do you go to? Well, I'm at the 1115. Oh, right on. Well, just so you know, I'm going to be in there praying too, so how about we pray at the same time? That's how connections are made. Okay, I know that some of that is silly to you. I know that you go, well, I, what's the point? The point is, we've got to know each other. The point is, we're in this together. We've got to live together and be together, and this is how you get started. Because when we become friends, suddenly... They show up on our prayer list. Suddenly, they start showing up in our heart. Suddenly, they start being the ones we invest in. Suddenly, our compassion increases for them. So, if we're going to be like Jesus, our hearts need to expand and more people need to be baked in there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. That, Lord, you are glorious and mighty, and, and, Father, we needed to take this time to learn a little bit of practical stuff, and so I want to thank you for this opportunity. God, there are so many here that are lonely and lost in a crowd, and I pray that you would embrace them. I pray that you would make connections with other people that are also longing for relationships. Lord, I pray that you would bond us together, that no one would feel isolated and alone, that no one would feel like they're unloved or uncared for, that, God, your house is a place where you lavish love on your kids. I pray, Father, that everyone here would have someone that backs them up in intercessory prayer. Lord, that everyone here would feel like they are connected to you and to each other. Lord, change us. Help us to make connections and friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.